You may be aware of the significance of yesterday, July the 20th, as we celebrated the uh, 50-year anniversary of the first moon landing. If you remember that 50 years ago, okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad y'all were there. And uh, I hate that I was there. <laughs> I was there too. I don't remember it especially, but I was there. Uh, 50 years ago, we landed on the moon for the first time, Apollo 11. I heard this on the radio, so of course I went to the internet to try to verify it. And there's a website, ZME Science. I don't know anything about them, but they said this on ZME Science. Your smartphone is millions of times more powerful than all of NASA's combined computing in 1969. Is that a scary thought? Or what? I can't even keep my music from playing, and it's, more, it's smarter than I am. That's the price. My phone is smarter than I am. I guess I feel a little better about that. But, but just imagine how far we've come. The awesome success of landing people on the moon and bringing them back. What an amazing accomplishment and what great success that was. Have you ever, you ever met anybody that's just like ultra successful? Everything they do, just, everything just seems to go their way. They look beautiful. They look fit. They uh, get the promotions at work. They have the good income. They have the nice house. They have the beautiful spouse. They have the perfect kids. Everything just seems to go their way. Maybe some of you are in that category. I, don't, I hate people like that, don't you? <laughs> not really, not really, not really. But there are some people, it just seems like everything they do is successful. They, they try at school and they get straight A's. They, they get the, the job coming out of college. They get, they get all the things, all the pieces just seem to fall in place as if there's an unseen force guiding them every step of the way, which indeed is true for all of us. There is an unseen hand guiding us every step of the way. At whatever level of success and even in the difficulties of life, there's this unseen hand that we look to to give us success. Not success always in the eyes of the world, but success in the kingdom of God. And how we choose to deal with both success and failure demonstrates outwardly our level of relationship with God. If indeed we have, as Anne and the choir just sang, offered ourselves to Him. If we have offered ourselves to Him and we no longer have those rights, we no longer uh, own ourselves, if we do that and we attribute our success to our own abilities and skills, if we're, if we're elevating ourselves over God, we're standing in judgment of God by attributing success to us instead of Him. And likewise, there are those who look at the failures of life, the difficulties, the, 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 the tough times, the, 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 the struggles of life, and there are those that would attribute the failure and difficulties to God's lack of care and God's lack of ability. And so we set ourselves over God and His power and His purpose and His plans for us. In either case, there's two extremes. Either we take credit for our own success or we blame God for our failures. If we're doing that, we're guilty of the sin of judging God. And that's nothing but pride. So what is success? What is success? Not in the eyes of people. We have a different definition perhaps than God. But in the eyes of God, what exactly is success? Well, like each and every one of us, David dealt with both success and failure on an outward sense. David dealt with both success and failure in his life. And we're looking today at 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn there with me. 1 Samuel 
chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 1 to 16. And we'll look at how David dealt with success after he had killed the giant, Goliath. Success came fast, it came furious, and it came continually for a good part of David's life. And so, how did David deal with that success? We're talking about an overall series of messages based on David's life, and I'm calling it Faith in the Real World. Not just a, uh, not just a, 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 a ritualistic faith, not just a check-the-box faith, not just a religious faith, but a faith that meets us right where we are. So, as you and I handle and deal with and are confronted with success and failure, how can we do so in a successful way before God? That's what we're looking at. So, David dealt with success... We'll talk in, in future weeks about how he dealt with failure. But, but just after he killed the giant, suddenly David became a celebrity. Suddenly he became a celebrity. He, he went from being the youngest child son of Jesse, the, the young runt out in the fields tending the sheep, where he had lots of time to strum on the harp and write poems and pray and gaze at the stars, just him and the sheep, and every once in a while, as David said, the bear and the lion as well. But he's just out there, out there doing his thing. Nobody outside of his family, nobody outside of the little small town of Bethlehem knew anything about David. He went from that to suddenly, by killing Goliath, he went to becoming a celebrity and a superstar overnight. It happens in life sometimes. We see it happen with athletes Suddenly the, the backup quarterback comes in and wins the championship. And suddenly the, the guy that nobody knew uh, becomes the, the hero of the day. We see it in business where, where somebody that nobody knew makes an important business decision and it elevates that company to great prominence. We see it in, in politics where somebody that nobody has ever heard of before suddenly becomes a mayor or a senator or, or anything else that, that might be elected. We, we see it in our world and likewise, we see it in the life of David as he became suddenly, in the eyes of people, very, very successful. Let me invite you to stand with me, if you will. In this passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 18, there are three parts, three verses, where it describes the success of David. I want to read those for you now, and then we're going to kind of work our way through them and see how we can gain some insight and wisdom, some instruction and an example from David to apply to our own lives. The key word I want you to listen out for, the key word is success. Success. And uh, in the King James Version, if you have the King James Version, it's, instead of success, it uses this phrase, behaved himself wisely. Behaved himself wisely. So in the English translation, King James, I use the English Standard Version. Other translations use perhaps different words, but it's translated success in the English Standard Version. All of it goes back to, to words in Scripture that mean this. To act skillfully, to act prosperously, to act expertly, and to have success. And in the eyes of God, it's acting in these ways regardless of your outward circumstances. That's success. It's acting in these ways regardless of outward circumstances. Verse number 5 of 1 Samuel 18 says this, David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. This is after killing Goliath. He, he uh, goes out for Saul. And the result of that success, in verse 5, it says, This was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. In verse number 14, we see these words. David had success in all his undertakings. And so the success was a result. 
And the Bible is very clear, not just to point out the fact that David was successful. Let's put David on a pedestal. Let's celebrate David. Let's all be like David. No, the Bible makes it very clear, and I hope the message today does as well. It says in verse 14, David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Success comes from the Lord. Verse number 30. The princes of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul. And notice the result. So that his name, David's name, so that David's name was highly esteemed. In the eyes even of the enemies, in the eyes of the servants of Saul, in the eyes of all the people, David's name suddenly rose to the top and he was a great household name and a celebrity in the eyes of of everyone around. Even in the eyes of the enemy, they respected him and held him in high esteem because of the fact that God was with him and God gave him that success. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father today, We don't want to pray that we would all be successful from the standpoint of the world, thinking that we would have a name and a reputation and and riches would flow our way and we would become a celebrity and be on TV. We're not praying for that, Lord, but we want to pray to understand godly success and to make ourselves available to be successful because as we've already sung and talked about, we offer ourselves to you and put ourselves completely in your hands. So even now... Lord, as we begin this message, I want to pray. I want to pray and ask that you would help each one in this room right now to determine to live in a godly, successful way. As we pray in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. All right, please be seated. Well, let's look at at these three instances from 1 Samuel 18 where it speaks of David's success. I want to make some, some pointers and some encouragements along the way with this. And, and the, first, uh, the, the first thing I want to point out is this, is that in verses 1 to 5, success, when we encounter success, outward success that people can see, when we encounter outward success, it brings change in life. It changes things. Things are no longer the same because of what's happened in our life and, and, and how God has somehow used us uh, in, in a great way uh, in, in some form or fashion. God opens doors. God's clo- God closes doors. In this case, God was with David. And, and as a result, things changed throughout David's life in a hurry. And we see this in the friendship he had with Jonathan. Uh, relationships change. Relationships. Look at... Look at uh, what happened with he and Jonathan. Now, now, David could have been seen as a threat to Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Jonathan is an apparent heir to the throne. So all of a sudden, this, this shepherd boy from Bethlehem kills the giant and everybody's celebrating him. David could have been seen as a threat to Jonathan to the point that Jonathan would have excluded him and had nothing to do with him and maybe even would have sought to eliminate him because he would have been seen perhaps as a threat to the throne, but instead, a very close friendship developed and ignited, if you will, suddenly, and God orchestrates even that. Verse 1 of, of 1 Samuel 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, I love how it says this, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him 
as his own soul. Something happened in that moment. Something happened in the, that encounter, in that episode, in those times of being together. The, the, the people, you, you've been around folks before that, that of all the people around, you suddenly just get connected to somebody, you just hit it off. Best of friends from the get-go. And so it's, you, you can almost say it this way, your soul is knit together with that other person. I've seen it happen with, with, with people that go to school together, and now they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, and they still get together with that group of three or four people from elementary school because their souls were just knit together. There, there are some people as adults, they meet on the job or they meet at a church or they meet somewhere else, and their souls just suddenly are just knit together. Is God in that? I think so. But God was certainly in this. And so, so instead of, instead of this, this threat to, to uh, Jonathan as an heir to the throne, they suddenly became soulmates and best of friends. In verse number 3, it says this, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. He made a, made a commitment. They made a commitment of friendship between the two of them about what God was doing and what all this means. And in verse number 4, it says this, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. He took off his robe. His royal robe, his, his, his robe identifying him as a prince, as a son of a king. He took it off and he gave it to David, and then it goes on to say, and his armor. He took his armor off, and he gave that to, to David. And it says, even, even his sword, his, his weapon, his protection, he, he took that sword along with his armor and his outer garment, and he gave that all to David. And, and it says, his bow, his bow, another weapon, the sword is a defensive weapon or an offensive weapon for up-close combat. The bow for farther away, no doubt the best of the best in quality. And it says here also his belt. I don't know if there's anything left to give him. <laughs> but Jonathan gave these things to David. We're not told exactly why, but there's, there's speculation as to why this would have taken place between Jonathan and David and why Jonathan and David, why their souls were knit so suddenly and tightly. God, no doubt, was in the midst of this. And so people have speculated what's going on here. On, on the one hand, they, they see it as, well, here's David, the, sh the poor shepherd boy from out in the field. He has nothing. And so Jonathan is just, uh, just, just giving him something because he didn't have anything. Jonathan may have had five sets of armor, may have had five swords, we don't know. It could have just simply been an act of kindness to give something, one friend to another, to, to, to give something to somebody else as simply an act of kindness. But it could have been also an act of humble acknowledgement. It could have been that somewhere in that time frame, somewhere in, in that encounter, that God stirred in the soul and the heart of Jonathan to let him know that, that David was the one who would be the heir to the throne. It could have been that Jonathan, instead of getting puffed up with pride and arrogance and fighting against God's will for David to become the king, Jonathan humbly acknowledged David as the future king. And perhaps there was some symbolism of Jonathan giving these items to David to say to him, I recognize what God's doing in your life and I support it and I step aside so that you can go forward. Well, we, we recognize something. That is that God directs human relationships. God directs human relationships in order to enable spiritual success. Think about the relationships you have with people. It could be a soulmate, a best friend that you've had forever. It could be your husband or your wife. It could be your parents or your children. It could be a coworker. It could be a neighbor, a friend, a teammate, any number of folks. But listen, it could be somebody that you're not especially close to, 
but somehow God is at work in that relationship to accomplish His good and perfect will in their life or in your life or in the two of you together. Well, we're talking about success bringing a change of relationships. It also brings a change of, of, of what I'll call relocation. Success brings relocation, either physically relocating somewhere else, that's what happened with David, or even positionally relocating to a different station of life, even if you stay in the same place. Success can cause us to have to move from where we are. Notice verse 2. Saul took him, that's David. Saul took David that day and would not let him return to his father's house. David is now a celebrity. David is now a warrior. David is now a person of notoriety. And Saul the king says, I want you to be with me if you're that kind of person. Verse number 5, And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. Saul said to David, Hey, you come hang out where I'm at and I'm going to use you in my service. And so David went out and did exactly what Saul had told him. Success brings change also in reputation. In reputation. You know, when, when something suddenly happens and, and, and people uh, find out about it, you know, word spreads very quickly. In that day, word spread very quickly as, as, the, as the army had defeated the Philistines and were marching back to Jerusalem. Word spread all throughout the countryside that we'll read about in just a moment. But, but in our day and time, how does word spread? We don't go marching through the countryside, but we got Facebook, we got Twitter, we got YouTube. And, and if this had happened today, it would have been all over Facebook. It would have gone viral overnight, as they say. Verse number 5 of 1 Samuel 18 speaks of the reputation of David. This was good in the sight of all the people that Saul had enlisted David to serve. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Everybody thought, man, this is a great idea. Saul has brought David into his service. Verse number 6, As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy and with musical instruments. They were singing a version of, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God has sent victory to the Israelites over the Philistines. That's what they were singing. Al, something like that, no doubt. And so there was rejoicing. It was a great victory. Because you think about this, that the challenge was from Goliath the giant, if you send somebody out, if they beat me, we will serve you. But if I beat your guy, then you have to serve us. There was this fear and all that spread everywhere. Everybody knew what was going on. And everybody was afraid the Philistines would defeat the Israelites and they would suddenly be wiped out or killed or put in service to the Philistines. And all of a sudden, the word spreads, no, David has killed Goliath and the Philistines have fled and Israel has won and God has delivered. There was unbelievable joy that we can't even comprehend because they were in that crossroads of not knowing exactly which way the tide was going to turn. And so here they are coming out singing and dancing and musical instruments. There was a great Sense of festivity, verse number 7. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. And, 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 the, and the picture here, and now you can correct me on Monday if I'm wrong. But, but the picture here is that on, on this side of the road there might be a group of women. On this side there'd be another group of women. This group would sing out a, a line. This group would sing out a line. And back and forth they would sing. And the army would go marching through. Just a great time of rejoicing. And so the women would sing out. Saul has struck down his thousands. And David, his ten thousands. That's what they were singing. 
And, and, and the way that, that the, the commentator, at least, now, the way the commentator explained it, this was not necessarily elevating David over Saul in the minds and the words of the singers. It was simply, it was simply a, a way to, to, to say and to state the fact that the enemy has been defeated. But Saul didn't take it that way. Because you see, in, in addition to success bringing change, success also, secondly, can bring opposition. It can bring opposition. Suddenly, in becoming successful, there, there are those that maybe were not against you before, but now they, they are against you. See, when success comes, it brings out people who want to, on one hand, there are people that want to be close to you because you've achieved a level of success. If a student from, nobody ever heard of the student who wins a spelling bee, all of a sudden, this kid has a newfound popularity in the class. The, 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 the kid that comes off the bench to win the football game that nobody's ever heard of suddenly becomes the, the person everybody gravitates to because he's now the hero. And so, so that's kind of what, what's going on here with David. Some people in success want to be close to you. Some people, when you're successful, want to use you. They don't care about you. They, they don't want to, they don't, they're not getting close to you because they like you or love you or anything else. They want to use you. Hey, would you sign this? Would you take a selfie with me? Would you, would you do something so that it will help me? They want to use you. And that's not always bad. It's not always good. But, but, but that certainly happens with success. But then there are those in success, they want to eliminate you. They want to eliminate you. They, they don't want you to have that place. In fact, if you were not in that place, they could be in that place. And so they want to eliminate you. Sometimes they see you as a threat to the place they already occupy, that you're coming after them in some form or fashion. Look, starting in verse 8. Saul was very angry. This is the women singing, rejoicing. All this is going on. Saul hears those words. Saul is slain his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry, and it displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? They're going to make David the king. That's what Saul was thinking. That's how he read the circumstances. Verse number 9. And Saul, I like this, and Saul eyed David from that day on. He kept his eye on him. Suddenly this, this little kid that had come and killed the giant, and Saul said, hey, come into my service. All that's going fine. But all of a sudden they recognize he might be out to get me. Saul quickly becomes jealous and fearful. Verse number 10. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house in a, in a torment. It was a terror, just walking and, and fussing and, and hollering and throw, maybe throwing things. And, and this is happening there in the house while David was there playing the lyre, this harp, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand and and verse 11, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. You think about that. Now, you're David. You're out in the field, bring you in, kill the giant back, come in my service. Everything's going great. Next thing you know, the king's trying to pin you to the wall with a spear. It says David evaded him twice. I love that. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. It says David evaded him twice. If it were me, I, the best I can tell, the second time I evaded the spear would be running out the door. It doesn't say that about David. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David. Saul was afraid of David, not because of David. 
Saul was afraid of David not because he killed the giant. Saul was afraid of David not because of his military exploits, ultimately not even because of the song the women were singing. Verse number 12, Saul was afraid of David because, because the Lord was with him. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and, or but, the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul had been in that position where the Lord was with Saul. Saul had been the one who had been chosen. He's the one who had been anointed. He's the one that nobody heard of and suddenly he became the king. Saul had been there and done that, but Saul had disobeyed God. And we don't have time to go into it today. Saul had disobeyed God to the extent that God said, I'm going to pull my spirit from you and I'm going to put it on somebody else who will seek me with all their heart. Saul knew what it was like to have the Spirit of God, and he knew now what it was like for the Spirit to be departed. And, and so, uh, verse 13, Saul removed, from, uh, removed David from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. He sent him away to, to, to serve in the military. Verse 14, and David had success in all his undertakings, not because David was a great man, not because David had killed the giant. Not because David had great military prowess or physical abilities or personal charisma. It says here in verse 14, we need to understand this because it's true of David and it's true of us. When David, that David had success in all his undertakings. Why? For the Lord was with him. When the Lord is with you, there is success. And I'll point this out now. It's not always worldly viewed success. Sometimes when the Lord is with us and there is success in the eyes of the world, it's not success. But in the eyes of God, it is. In David's case, in this case here, it is worldly success in addition to godly success. Verse 15, when Saul saw that David had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Now, for, for David, this success brought jealousy. It brought, it brought jealousy and fear from Saul. When, when we're successful and there are those who will oppose us, here's what's going to happen. Some will get angry. Some will, will develop an attitude against you. You say, what's wrong with this person? Why are they suddenly treating me this way? In, in their eyes, perhaps you've had success that pulls the limelight off of them. Perhaps in, in their eyes, they know that God is with you and they want nothing to do with God. Somehow when we walk in, in faithful obedience to God, there are others who will see what we're doing and they don't want a part of it, so they get angry. They develop an attitude. That's what was happening here. And so, so, so some get angry and then some get violent. Some take that anger to the extreme of violence, which is what Saul did towards David. Well, in the face of Saul's disobedience, again, a, a past story there, Saul disobeyed God to the point that God selected another king, pulled his spirit away from Saul, and it says here that God sent an evil spirit on Saul. And here's what we know, and we need to be careful as we read the Scripture. Here's what we know. God is sovereign over all. God is over all. God is in charge of all. God uses His angels. God uses His Spirit. God uses people. And the Bible makes it clear. God e even uses the evil forces of the world, uh, uh, the demons, to accomplish His own will. I got one amen out of that. 
God even uses evil forces to accomplish his own will. I'm reading through the scriptures right now. I've just been reading that historical part in the Old Testament about the kingdoms of Israel. And this king rose up and he sinned. And the next king rose up and he sinned. And God sent prophets. And ultimately God sent judgment from the kingdom of Babylon and the evil king Nebuchadnezzar to come and to punish his people using an evil king. Why? Because God uses even the evil to accomplish his own good and perfect will. That's what the Bible teaches one commentator said this, God's judgment for Saul's disobedience was a divinely sent scourge to torment him. And that the text clearly, the text is clear that Saul's hand was on the spear with malice towards David while David's hand was on the harp in the worship of God. What a, what a powerful contrast in that room. Saul being tormented by this evil spirit. Saul hating David, being jealous and afraid of him. And, 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 and at the same time, David sitting there Worshiping God, playing the harp, being who God had created him and being where God had called him to be. Because we see disobedience leads to all sorts of spiritual battles. And it can even lead to evil actions. We need to be mindful of that. That's what happened here. Verse 15, when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. Why is it that he was in fearful awe? He was in awe because it's amazing what has happened to this scrawny little kid from out in the fields watching sheep. I'm in awe of what's happened. But he was in fearful awe because Saul himself had turned away from God and he saw that God was now with David. When people see God at work in our lives, it does one of two things. When people see God at work in your life, it does one of two things to that person. It either draws them closer to God or it repels them away from God. When people see God at work in your life... Now, now, to be honest, for a lot of Christians, there's not a lot of evidence that God is doing anything in their life. But when we get to that place where we offer ourselves to God and give Him our rights and give Him our wrongs, and we say, God, here I am, use me. When we do that and God begins to use us, other people will either be drawn to us and to God or repelled away from us and away from God. And it's not us. It's the Spirit of God in us. It's a reminder from chapter 17 and verse 47 when David was encountering Goliath. David says to Goliath, The battle is the Lord's. That's one reason David was so successful. He recognized repeatedly, This is not about me. This is not about me. The battle is the Lord's. I'm willing to go out. I'm willing to stand in the gap. I'm willing to take the rock and the sling and, and to throw the rock. But I, all that I'm willing to do. But here's what I know. God is ultimately in charge. God is at work in my circumstances. All I have to do is be faithful to what He gives me to do. That's the amen line right there, by the way. In my notes, amen right here. Amen. Thirdly, I want you to notice, thirdly and lastly, success brings stature. With success comes stature. With success comes a, a, an elevation in the eyes of people. And, and so David went from being a no-name to being a household name. If that happened today, you'd see David on, on TV perhaps uh, being a pitch man for an insurance company or, or fast food. You'd see him on Facebook. You'd see him interviewed on the talk shows. You'd see him everywhere there's any, anywhere to do anything. You'd see David. He'd be that popular. You know, some have a hard time dealing with a little bit of fame. We've all seen people from a distance. Maybe you've seen some people up close, but we've all seen people from a distance who suddenly become famous and then they have a hunger for more that drives them to become something that they're not. You see people that are, 
having success. And so they start believing what people say about them. They say about, about celebrities or athletes sometimes, they say they start believing their own press clippings. They start believing they really are as good as the newspaper reporters are saying they are. Sometimes they, they give in to temptation that comes from an elevation of stature. Sometimes they fizzle fast. And you wonder, whatever happened to that, to that lady or that guy? And, and they, they just fizzle very quickly. David maintained both his faithfulness to God and he maintained the rise of stature that came from his faithfulness to God throughout. Notice, notice some, some verses here from 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. This was good in the sight of all the people and in the sight of Saul's servants. These are, these are looking at David and elevating him in stature. Verse 15, when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. That's David. Verse 16, but all Israel and Judah loved David. For he went out and came in before them. Verse 28, When Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Verse 29, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines came out to battle. And as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul so that his name was highly Esteemed. You see what's happening here throughout the chapter here and on throughout David's life. His name was esteemed. His name was, was beloved. His, his, his stature grew and stayed at a high level for much of his life. And we'll talk about his failures. We already have some and we will some more. But, but his stature attained a height and, 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 and over the long haul that just continued and Endured. I want to give you a definition today. It's going to be on the screen. I didn't put it in your notes. But here's a definition of success. As followers of Christ, this is the, the perspective. As followers of Christ, success is faithfulness to God regardless of circumstances. That's important. For David, it's like it all came together. He was the good-looking kid. He was the, 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 the guy who was the natural-born leader. He is the guy who, with God's blessing, all these wonderful things happened. And he was the pinnacle of success in many different ways. And when you and I have success, it probably is not going to be to that level. People 2,000, 3,000 years from now probably won't be talking about us like they do David. But whatever our level of success is, is defined as faithfulness to God, regardless of circumstances. You know what that means? That means if God elevates you or I to heights of popularity and celebrity and finance and, and all the things that come along with it, that, that, that we're going to stay faithful to God in that regard. And if it means that the health crisis comes, or the stock market drops, or our retirement is lost, or the job is lost, or all these things happen to us, and everybody leaves us like they did Job in the Old Testament... Success is still being faithful to God, even in that circumstance. So I'd encourage you with that today. I want to leave you with just a couple of things as we conclude. One is, the key to success is recognizing that the source of success is God. Recognize that. The source of any success is God. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, that's Goliath, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Is that, is that confidence in God or what? That's going up against unimaginable odds in saying, it's not about me. It's about God. God is the, is the, is the source of success. Secondly, I'd point out to you this. It's important to maintain 
our character in success. As David is elevated, especially earlier in his life, which is this, this phase of his life is, is early. He's just gaining notoriety. During this phase of his life especially, David maintained that character in his success. He didn't allow it to change who he was. Even though Samuel had already anointed him king, even though he had killed Goliath, even though he went out and came in and everybody was singing his praises, do you know what he was doing? He was playing the harp. He was serving the king. He was going out and coming in and doing exactly what God had called him to do. He was maintaining his character. He was maintaining his faith, even though he could have stepped forward in great arrogance. At this time of his life especially, he was maintaining his character. The challenge for us is to be successful. To be successful with God regardless of our outward circumstances. I want to ask you right where you are. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Just a moment. I'd, I'd like to have 30 minutes right now to, to have some guided prayer, but we don't, we don't have that luxury. But, but I do want to say a word or two that might spark you towards some self-examination, some questioning of, of your own heart and your motives and your stature and your, your standing and, and, and really spark some self-examination with God's Spirit to help you and I to gain that sense of, of, of success that whatever's going on outwardly, we can be successful because we're seeking to be faithful to God inwardly. And if we're doing that, if we're saying that success is about us and God and about what God's doing in our lives, then we can easily withstand any elevation of our stature. We can easily become a celebrity because we recognize it's all about God and He's done this. And likewise, when the bottom drops out and everything just seems to disappear, relationships and health and finances and reputation, if you're being faithful to God, then you can have that peace in your heart that even when the whole world turns against you, there can be a sense of success because you're being faithful to God inwardly regardless of the circumstances outwardly. So for just a moment, all too quickly, for just a moment, would you just pray and ask the Lord to make you successful by your faithfulness to Him regardless of your circumstances. And if you're in circumstances right now where, man, life is just great and your name is out there and people know you and you've been elevated up, just thank the Lord for that. And, but recognize, Lord, you've done this and I praise you for it, but help me to remain faithful to you during a time of great earthly success. And if you're wrestling with what you might consider or others might consider a failure of sorts or a difficult circumstance or things aren't going your way, would you just make it a point right now just to pray and tell the Lord that you want to be faithful to Him regardless of your circumstances, not blaming Him for the difficulties, but looking that, the, that He may have placed you right where you are in the midst of a difficulty to bring glory to Him in a way that nothing else ever could. What an awesome opportunity we have in times of elevation and in times of difficulty. Lord Jesus, remind us. Remind us of true success. Thank you for the example of David that we read about right here.
And may we be mindful and careful to keep our focus and attention on You so that whether we are lifted up or whether we are brought low in the eyes of the world, we can be found faithful to our Savior. Thank You, Lord, for that. I pray, Lord, that each of us would pursue that type of success to Your glory. Lord, if there's somebody here today struggling, gird them up. Strengthen them. Help them look to You. Lord, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know Christ, may today be that day to say yes to Jesus because we can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I am a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus is a Savior who came to to set the sinner free through the cross. Lord, even today, may someone call upon Your name in saving faith. Lord, we give You now this time of the invitation, not as a ritual, not as a, not as a, 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 a check off of a list, but as an honest opportunity to examine our hearts before God and respond in faith and obedience to your glory. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.